Have you ever heard yourself say or think, Oh, if only I was in charge, at work, at school, at church, I would do a better job than they're doing right now. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 138. Today we're going to talk about what to do when you feel unappreciated. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I am so grateful that you're listening today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've got a question for you. Have you ever felt your talents and abilities were underutilized on a project you were working on? People just don't seem to appreciate how much you have to offer at work or at church or wherever. You don't get the recognition or the leadership opportunities you deserve. I have certainly felt that way many times in the past. And along with those feelings usually come that little voice in my head, if I were in charge, I would do things differently, or, well, I could do such a better job than they are. Now, to be honest, I haven't had those feelings for many years, but I'm reminded of them every time I read the story of Absalom, one of King David's sons. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Absalom, but we do get some insights into his character and the way he responds to various events. For example, When his sister Tamar is raped by his half-brother Amnon, Absalom did not respond or show his hatred for Amnon publicly, but he quietly plotted for two years before taking his revenge by having his servants kill Amnon. You can read that part of Absalom's story in 2 Samuel chapter 13. What I see here is that Absalom is a man of action, and takes things into his own hands. Now, in and of itself, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but the actions he took in avenging his sister were based on personal pride and honor. It was his own personal solution. Unlike his father, King David, who often would ask for God's guidance in a particular situation, the Bible narrative gives no hint that Absalom asked God what to do in this case nor did he seek justice from the king. In fact, he told Tamar, and this is 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 30 through 32, Absalom asked Tamar, Is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. Boy, the covering up of sexual abuse is not 
just a current event. It happened all the way back thousands of years ago. One difference, however, is that Absalom is not trying to protect the perpetrator, Amnon. He's seeking to get revenge. But I don't know that that makes what he did any better for Tamar. Well, when King David hears about what happened, he was very angry. And even though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Well, that's kind of a normal reaction, but what did he do with those feelings? As I said, he plotted for two years before he had him killed. And as I said, instead of seeking justice through the proper channels or asking God to show him what to do or trusting God to bring justice, Absalom took it upon himself to bring his personal brand of justice to the situation. And this gives us a glimpse into Absalom's character. Now, just imagine if you had been born into the royal family of King David. It was a place of honor. There must have been a certain prestige you would have felt knowing you were a child of the king. You might think you could do whatever you wanted to. All too often today, as well as in Bible times, when someone is born into privilege, it can sometimes bring a sense of self-importance and entitlement and expectation to fill an important role. Is this what Absalom was feeling? Did he perhaps think he should be king someday? As it turns out, he did have those aspirations, as we'll see in just a minute. And we have to evaluate Absalom by the fruit he bore, by the actions he took. After Amnon's death, Absalom fled and isolated himself from the king for three years. Even when David finally agreed to have his son return to Jerusalem, he refused to see him. Again, try to put yourself in Absalom's situation. He was banished from the king. Have you ever been banished? Well, maybe that's a bit too strong. Have you or your ideas ever been treated as unimportant by those in authority? The people you wanted to talk to won't give you the time of day. It happens all the time, right? Absalom was in Jerusalem two years before he saw the king. When David finally agreed to see Absalom face to face, it was probably a tense reunion, but at least on the surface anyway, there was a little tenderness. Absalom bowed his face to the ground in respect, and King David kissed his son. We have no idea what they talked about or the tone of that conversation, but it had an effect on Absalom. He immediately began acting as if he had great authority. He was creating an image of himself to the people as someone important. And this is where we get a glimpse of what's going on in Absalom's heart. This is 2 Samuel 15, 1-4. Absalom bought a chariot and horses, and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. He got up early every morning and went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, You've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. Do you see how he was flattering the people? 
The gate was actually a place where people talked about and found solutions to their problems. It was a place where they came looking for justice, since there was no official judicial system, except going to the king. People started to pay homage to Absalom. And look what happens in 2 Samuel 15, 5 and 6. Whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. In effect, he was paying homage to them. Verse 6, Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. If you were one of those folks who came looking for justice, and the king's son seemed to take a personal interest in you and your situation, then reached out to embrace and kiss you, how would you feel? This went on for four years. Some ancient texts say 40 years, but that's not really possible if you look at the rest of the chronology. Absalom was gathering followers and solidifying his influence with the people for those four years. Then, one day, he requested permission from King David to go worship God in Hebron. Well, how could his father refuse that? But as it turns out, that was only a pretense for Absalom to amass his power. In 2 Samuel 15, verse 10, we find out that Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. David realizes too late that Absalom is a serious threat to his throne. The future of the kingdom swings in the balance, and David flees Jerusalem. Absalom has won so much influence among the people. There's a whole lot more to the story with plot twists and what we would call a double agent. And it's pretty interesting, actually. You can read it in chapters 15 through 18 of Second Samuel. It's really quite a story. Unfortunately for Absalom, his part of the story comes to an end when he is riding through the woods on a donkey to get away from David's army. The irony is that it's one of the things he was most proud of, his hair, which is his undoing. His thick hair gets caught in the low branches of a tree, but the donkey keeps running and Absalom is left hanging by his hair. When David's soldiers come to him, even though David had told everyone to be gentle with his son, they killed him. David was undoubtedly relieved that Absalom's threat to his reign was squelched, but he was nevertheless overcome with grief, not just over the death of his son, but the direction Absalom's life had taken. This is really a sad ending to a young man's life that could have taken a very different turn. Let's go back to those times when he felt isolated, undervalued, and underappreciated for his talents. What if his father had recognized his potential and nurtured him in a way that only a father can? What if David had given him a position of authority in which Absalom could learn from experience how to be a true leader? Of course, David may have seen in his sons some of the characteristics that come out in his behavior later and for that very reason did not give him a position of authority or power. We don't really know. But ultimately, Absalom 
is responsible for his own behavior, just like you and I are, regardless of how his father treated him. What if he had gone to the king for justice when Amnon raped Tamar? What if he had turned to God for help and guidance? There would have easily been a very different outcome. Every time I read Absalom's heartfelt plea, I wish I were the judge, then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. I feel a certain kinship with him. There have been many times in my life when I've been passed over for promotion, my ideas have been rejected, and what I had to offer was not seen, valued, or appreciated. Let me just say this is a very hard thing to deal with, especially if it's at church or a group or an organization that you really feel part of and care about. You feel rejected. You feel unworthy. It can unleash a whole army of negative thoughts in your heart. But whenever this has happened to me, and it's been quite a while, it has caused me to turn to God for support and comfort, for direction and guidance. This has made all the difference in the way I am then able to go forward with grace and follow where God leads, instead of getting all bent out of shape and trying to make something happen through human will and ego. I've done that a few times, too. Absalom longed to be in a position of authority. Was this a yearning of the human heart to fulfill a sense of a God-ordained purpose to bless the people of Israel? Or was it the human ego looking for ways to be in control? Maybe it was even a mixture of these two motives, one choking out the other over time. Again, we don't really know. I believe everyone has a God-given purpose, and Absalom may have sensed that to some degree, but from the way events unfolded, it seems clear that the human ego won out over any desire to pursue God's will if that desire was ever there at all. Have you ever heard yourself say or think, Oh, if only I was in charge, at work, at school, at church, I would do a better job than they're doing right now. It really comes down to motives. Does the question come from an egotistical view because you want to feel important, or from a humble attitude that seeks God's help and wants to bless others? It's very clear which direction Absalom took, but there is another one of David's sons that sets a much better example for us. And I'm not talking about Solomon. He had his problems as well. I'm talking about the son of David, Christ Jesus. Jesus had a completely different mindset from Absalom. Absalom acted on impulse. He calculated his revenge without seeking a higher sense of justice than his own personal ideals. He took the issues of justice, revenge, and amassing power into his own hands. He did what he wanted to. There's no convincing evidence that Absalom ever prayed to God for help or guidance, although he did give lip service to the idea once to cover up his true intentions of proclaiming himself king, as I mentioned earlier. Jesus, on the other hand, took the exact opposite approach. He did not do things his way. He never took things into his own hands. He never failed to ask for and obey God's guidance and support. In John 5.30, he said, I can do nothing on my own. 
I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. What a contrast between the way Absalom made himself a judge through his own self-will and Jesus who made himself not a judge by listening to and obeying God's will. In John 7.16 he said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. And in John 8.50 he said, I seek not mine own glory. As I said, this is the exact opposite of Absalom's approach to life. If you've been listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast for very long, you've probably heard me quote these verses a lot. And I do this because they're at the heart of Jesus' mindset. And it never hurts us to be reminded who our true model is. Absalom wanted to do great things. Well, good for him. But his motive was to glorify himself. Jesus came to glorify not himself, but God. Which of these two mindsets was more effective in accomplishing great things? Absalom thought he was setting himself up for grand achievements and thought he had achieved his goal. But nothing permanent came from all his plotting and planning. When you're tempted to think, Oh, if I was the principal at school, the president or CEO of the company, the president of my country, the pastor at my church, or any position of authority you are not currently in, it's time for a little humble pie. And maybe to first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. That's Jesus' advice in Matthew 7, 5. Just think for a minute what would have happened if Absalom had taken that approach. So, when you have those thoughts, wishing you were in charge, does that mean you're going to end up like Absalom? No, of course not. Well, I certainly hope not. I don't think so. And just to be fair, you might actually be able to do a better job than is being done. But the real question is, how are you doing with the position you do have? How are you using the authority you already have from God to love and forgive the way Jesus did? No one can ever deprive you of your ability to obey the teachings of Jesus. No one can ever take away the authority Jesus has given you to pray and think and heal as he did. People may not understand this spiritual authority, or they may not even notice, or they may criticize it, but it is always yours to exercise. And as I mentioned, there may be those times when you are absolutely right that you could do a better job in a given situation. When you have the mindset of Jesus as opposed to the mindset of Absalom, those in charge are more apt to see your abilities and ask for help. But not always. God may have something else for you to do that blesses you and others even more. A situation where you know you could do a better job than what's being done may be someone else's opportunity to learn an important lesson or skill. Sometimes over the years, I have been given a leadership role, and I realize there was more to it than I thought. Just me being in that role was not an automatic solution. 
I had to realize that I personally was not the answer to the problem. It was always about seeking and following God's guidance. About 10 years or so ago, it came to me very clearly as I was praying about some new project at church I was interested in being part of, that I really didn't want to be in any position, job, or role at church or anywhere which was not God's will for me. If it wasn't God's idea, I wasn't interested. What a sense of freedom that brought. It was not about what I wanted or what I thought I was capable of. It was about what God wanted. It's pretty much the same thing as Jesus saying he didn't come to do his own will and that he only did and said what the Father showed and told him. If you're ever in a situation where you're seeking a position of authority or leadership, whether at work or at church, or you're impelled to seek public office at a local, state, or national level, I encourage you to examine your motives. It's always easier to see when someone else is acting like Absalom, just doing something for their own personal glory and because they want a position of power. It's not always easy to see when we have some of those motives mixed in with our genuine motives of wanting to do something to help people. That's just something to think about because God does have a purpose for you to be in a position where you can help others, you can bring your God-given talents and abilities to bear on a situation to make it better. And that's the right thing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's all about your motive. And when you feel unappreciated, undervalued, and underutilized, and you know you could do a better job than what's going on, the question I have for you is, which son of David will you follow? Absalom or Jesus? Thanks so much for listening today. We are in week 22, the final week of our prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. The aspect of Jesus' mindset that we're going to work on this week is from John 14, 16. Jesus knew his disciples would need the Holy Spirit to guide and protect them after he was gone. He says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or comforter or helper who will never leave you. He's referring to the Holy Spirit, which came to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. What is Jesus' mindset here? He knew his disciples would need help. He knew exactly what it was they needed. He told them they needed it and that it would come to them, and it did. How can we embrace that mindset? When we imbibe the mind of Christ, which Paul says we possess, we can discern spiritually what someone actually needs and share it with them. The real need is always something spiritual, a deep connection with God. Jesus knew his disciples needed the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what we all need? It may seem like what you or someone else needs is a solution to a problem, but it always goes deeper than that. This week, please pray to discern that the deep need we all have is to receive the Holy Spirit. As I said, this is the last week of our prayer project, 22 Ways to Pray with the Mindset of Jesus in 2022. I want to thank you so much for participating 
either one week or all 22. I'm just grateful for anything you've done to join with us in this process. If you'd like to get a full list of the 22 ways to pray like Jesus, I'll have a link in the show notes on the website just above the Bible references at the bottom. And if you're listening on a podcast app, you'll find the link at the bottom of the description. Just click that link and check your download folder. Again, I want to thank you so much for being here and listening today. I'm so grateful you tuned in. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. Somebody you know may really need to hear today's message. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, a special welcome to you. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to do so. Go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. When you do, you'll get a prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, I would love to hear from you. On the website, in the menu bar, you'll see a contact tab. Just click that, fill out the form, and I'll be in touch. I can't wait to hear from you. As always, I'll have the Bible references mentioned in today's show in the show notes. You can find those at thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 138. This is episode 138. And if you're listening on a podcast app, I'll have a link in the description. I want to thank you so much for all the ways that you have been supportive of the Bible Speaks to You podcast. There are now listeners in 140 countries, and I just want to thank you for helping to make that possible. That's it for this week. Again, thanks for being here. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.